0: Welcome, my name is Bill Munhausen and I'm your host for the Key Gathering Place radio program. What we'll be gathering here is a great many people and their stories. Sometimes it will be a team of local residents to discuss a topic close to home. Other times we will share messages from people in other parts of the country or even around the world. God has equipped all of us to speak life into our community and this program will be a forum for people to share as God builds his kingdom among us. No subject is too big or too small, because everyone's story is unique. Today I'm joined by the team of people who are making this program possible. With me are Stacy Shore, Deanna Walton, David Batty, Matt Burns, and Ike Skelton. Each of us are activists or advocates, but we didn't want to just launch into a discussion of issues without you understanding the foundation of faith that directs our paths. I had this thought. A lot of people in the church are distrustful, I could say, or double-minded about how they should be in, in society. A lot of people say we shouldn't get into politics because politics is a dirty business. It's not an honorable thing to be in, and so don't do that. And there's a lot of good scripture that reinforces that. Paul used to tell us in various scriptures to honor the government. Don't defy the government. Also, though, Peter, when he was told not to spread the gospel, he defied the governing authority. So, with that introduction, how does faith interact with what you do and what you believe in?
1: Well, you brought up about how uh, Christians today in America may feel a little uh, dual-minded about whether they can or cannot participate or whether they should or should not participate. And I think that if they would read the founding of our nation and read anything coming from the overwhelming majority of our founders— they would very easily and quickly recognize that not only did our founders heavily believe in God as a creator and their guidance, they recognize, and for the first time in, I think, the history of the world, that a group of people realized that our rights didn't come from any king. They came directly from God himself. When they put our founding documents together, they wanted uh, to recognize that, to give God the honor that that's where it came from. As you read the history of other governments around the world, you won't see anything like that. Today's Christians should be able to easily recognize they're not only uh, should they get involved in politics, but it's a requirement.
2: Okay, to add to that, so here is my challenge, and this is how I look at it. A lot of people will say you can't mix politics and religion. Jesus was an activist. People want to put Jesus in a box and say he was meek and he was mild. But when you really understand and you dig into the New Testament and you track you know, Jesus' path. He did not go in to necessarily be a peacemaker. Yes, he was meek, but the difference is meek does not mean weak. So Jesus went in and he challenged authority in a very respectful way, but he asked the questions and demanded answers. He he was not necessarily liked. So I think that the very important thing that I feel as a believer, that everything we do, we have to fit into that structure when we're being called. Do we just say, oh well, whatever will be, will be? Or do we feel or need to be commissioned to be engaged and involved? At some point, there will be a time to be engaged and involved, but will it be too late? We have the power now to get ahead of it, and to ask the right questions, and to protect our rights as Christians, or just as ordinary citizens. If we would all just do a little bit that would add to a lot rather than just a few of us getting involved we're commissioned as believers to seek answers to questions it's okay to ask questions it's okay to challenge authority if we seek truth I just want to read this is a scripture that that speaks to me it's first Peter three fifteen. but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. If that's how you live your life, even when it comes to your activism, I think that as long as you do it with gentleness and respect, but with the affirmation of knowing the truth, then it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be involved. I think too, if
3: we look at it as um, our unique position in history, being in America, being Americans, when when we're talking about activism and say questioning authority, it's actually our right to do that. We're operating at a very unique time. And, And say in Bible times when they were being persecuted, they actually did not have the type of government that we have today. And we're obviously, we do have fear and trepidation that that could go away, that we could lose that. But right now, we have those freedoms and it's our responsibility to be able to take the freedoms that we have and utilize them for the benefit of those around us. And two, we just have a really unique time in history to be able to stand for truth, stand for the word, stand for justice.
0: That's actually a neat rabbit trail, because back when in the first century, what choice did they have but to obey the government? So we have a very different status now in our dealing with government, because the government answers to us. We are the government in some sense.
3: One of the things that I was thinking about today that I would recommend everyone go back and look at is I've um, been compelled this past year or so to study the early church fathers. And by those, I would mean like Polycarp, um, Irenaeus, Eusebius, all of those people who were in that time period. You know, Polycarp was martyred. Basically, because he wouldn't worship Caesar, and there's actually there's a movie called Polycarp. It's on um, Amazon Prime, so I highly recommend watching that movie. It, gosh, it impacted me so much, and I actually I had my son watch it as well because the time period that they lived in, we have such a privilege today to be able to stand up and not have to face the lions at that point. But going forward, to know that this is such a small area of the world, it brings it into perspective that I been very privileged in america but the rest of the world really actually faces what they faced in that time period and so what really informs like what you're talking about so what do we do we're propelled to go so much further than they could have so we take the principles of the bible and we we learn what polycarp stood for we learn what the early church fathers went through at that time period and then we're propelled by the position that we have to go so much further um, with that. So I encourage everyone to, to study that because one of the things, I don't necessarily know if I would say I fear it, this rise of centralized power, global authority, you know, coming back to a system that like Caesar is king. And if you don't abide by these standards, then things that would conflict with our faith, then we could, you know, suffer consequences.
4: You know, Bill, you, uh, you mentioned that we are the government. And I guess my question would be, are we really? Because if we are, then we have an obligation to do something about it. This is a scripture that kind of speaks to me, and it's Romans fourteen eleven. 11. It says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. What are we going to say when we have to bow and we have to confess that we did nothing and we just stood around and waited for the end? People need to think that that might be a challenge that we are facing for a reason. And if politics have become nasty to the point where we don't want to be involved, well, maybe it's because we've not been involved that they've gotten that nasty. Whenever you are facing evil in this world, and there are things that our government is complicit in, We have an obligation to do something about it. We have an obligation to stop it. And I believe that's a challenge that God is uh, presenting us with.
1: Uh, Matt, I would say you're 100% correct about that. That is exactly right. And that's exactly why we are supposed to do something. You know, God doesn't need our help. I think we all know that. But he expects us to. I would love to see the end of legal abortion. But will we ever really see that? I don't know before Christ returns. I don't know if we will. And maybe we're not going to. And maybe we're not even supposed to. And we we will be asked, did you try? And to your your um, points earlier, you know, the different time then and the different time now, are we starting to come back around to that? You mentioned the one world government, how the left, well, that is where Satan has housed himself uh, to some extent, is in, in that, that side. In that, they are trying to eradicate... And let's say they, there are some within them, trying to eradicate God from our public schools, from the streets, from our buildings, our public buildings, everything. They're trying to eradicate God. So we're we're coming back around to that circle uh, to where we are going to be persecuted again. If there are not some being now, uh, we certainly will be persecuted, and the Bible tells us that, doesn't it?
2: The whole idea of having the courage to be hated, that's a pretty bold statement, but as Christians, we answer in the end, to meet my maker... And for him to ask me, when I tugged at your heart, did you go? Well, God, everyone would have been so mad. I mean, people would have talked terribly about me. I mean, are we willing to have the courage to be hated if it means that we stand for what is right? We stand for what our faith represents? The Bible is just this amazing roadmap for us. And it's not something to hide behind, but it's something that to try to interpret that and weave that into every aspect of my life. But if God says, go. We're commissioned to go. And I think especially for all of us in the room that have children, they're watching us. As Christians, we cannot act from a place of fear. Right now in our colleges and universities, there's First Amendment zones. Incredibly dangerous that they put people in small boxes and say, you can only speak here. Really take that in. That's completely unconstitutional. And it's a threat to my beliefs as a Christian or just my beliefs as an American. But if we stand for that, it'll continue to erode further and further until we begin to use our voice voices in unison as believers. We have power. We're the majority, right? By the way, our government is shifting. If we would act in unison, we have so much power for good. But we've just not embraced it. And so I think that's the real travesty of you know, the Christians in the political realm. It's time that we harness the power for good and move forward and really make some bold changes because God is watching.
0: I'd like to ask you all about the divide in America. What is the solution? Is it a purely political solution, or is it necessary to change people's minds? I mean, you talk about the universities and their uh, First Amendment zones, but universities used to be the most free places in the world. It used to be a place where free thinkers went, and now it's flipped the other way. So, do we have a social issue that we're addressing, or a political one? Do we have a spiritual one, and how do you how do you address it best?
5: Well, Bill, address it best is, of course, a big a big question. Um, Stacy was mentioning it over there. It, I totally believe it's spiritual, uh, but it's so vital that that we uh, are solid in our in our uh, in our thinking and our beliefs. I know a number of people in the circles I run in that if I ask them why they believed what they believed they would be pressed to really verbalize it to me so it's it's vitally important if you out there if any of you feel stirred and, and and called to just jump into things it's so vital that you first checked in with your worldview that it's a biblical worldview and why and the things you believe why do you believe those things you know the question i hear is uh you know what's the role of the church in society what's the role but I, but i see it very simply put loving god loving your neighbor and, and, and being unified to speak to what you were talking about, Bill, being unified in the Christ Jesus, Lord of all, because there's a price that's paid. So it's vital that, you're, that you've sought and that you seek the will of God and what you get involved in, because there is a cost that will be paid. And, and outside of the will of God, we all know people that have jumped off and took off flying down this cause and ran into wall after wall and got beat up. We're dual citizens And we can never forget that, you know. We're citizens of this country, and that has meaning, but we're citizens of the kingdom of God. You know, everything has got to pass through that authority. For instance, does does God allow bad things to happen for his own purposes? Are we called to step into every injustice we see? I'll go on a limb here, but I'd say we probably have a couple of A-type personalities uh, in this room right now. So it's especially... Challenging for A-type personalities because where we typically go when we're faced with a challenge is we go and we visualize the solution. We visualize it solved and we work backwards putting our strategy together. Uh, we, just, we just have to be careful we don't run ahead of the Holy Spirit in our, in our, our citizenship, in the kingdom of God. For us, it's like, uh, well, I've been there. I'm a believer. I've got that. That's put away. I'm packing that away. Now I'm going on with what I need to be about. And you can't do that. You have to revisit it. It's always been about you and the Father, not about man and man. Now, David said a lot of stuff there. <laughs> yeah. but, but one thing that really, um,
0: in particular, was the idea of unity and believing in truth. And I think that's one of the things the church is really struggling with, because we don't have a shared idea of what is true any longer. We have all of these different denominations and subtly different ways of looking at things. For a couple of years, David and I worked together here at, at the Creation Expo, the Creation Museum here in Camdenton, and we'd have all kinds of people come in with all kinds of opinions about stuff. And many of them were Christians. Christians believe that God used evolution. Some believe that God created in six days, and some believe there's a, a billions of year gap between Genesis one and Genesis two. And some had a had a vision and and believe what what they heard in a vision from from the spiritual realm and we've had all of those different ideas and that's just about creation when it comes to how to interact with government how to how to live everybody is a little bit different and so i think that's why we see christians not voting as a block all all denominations have their peculiar ideas and all churches have their peculiar ideas so it's really hard to find unity in all of that and so maybe what David also said is we have to have Christ in our lives and maybe that's why many people have reverted to more the one-on-one ministering to individuals rather than getting involved in big issues. We can see as believers one-on-one how that can work. We have a harder time seeing how we can have a be a united block affecting the whole culture
3: could talk a lot more about all of that, but um, I just wanted to speak to one thing that David had said and it's something that I actually wrote down today when I was thinking about the question if it's nearing the end, you know, what's the point of trying to fix things? And um, one thing I wrote down was I don't look at our active role in the end times as that of trying to fix things. Um, our role is just to be ready for the return of our king, you know, the groom. Our role is to demonstrate an already but not yet kingdom whose king is supreme above all other governments when it comes to worship and loyalty. And it's kind of what you're talking about is we anticipate what the kingdom is, and that's our focus. We have Christ in us, and we operate in that kingdom. Um, And I think there are many ways that we do demonstrate that kingdom. We actively participate in society with our biblical worldview. And so I think what you said about having that biblical worldview, like checking in with yourself, like what is my biblical worldview? And I think that would be a topic all in of itself is, is to like talk to people out there and like explain like what is a biblical world view. I think that would be very important to, to touch upon and maybe even share what we believe that is for us and give people an idea of like, gosh, where do I start thinking about that? And so I feel, you know, we speak truth, we do justice, we look after the poor and the weak of our society, we live generously, and then we fearlessly have unwavering loyalty to the God of the Bible. As an imager of God, we're set apart to represent God, to demonstrate his rule of right and wrong and justice on the earth, um, that all men are created equal and valuable and should be treated fairly. And I think that's that's the, the values that play out in society, in our community, in our government, our politics. What we're allowed to do here in America, we have to keep those principles in front of us and that worldview
1: in check. You know, there is even a passage in the Bible that mentions that if they're not going to work, then they don't need to eat. And they were talking about the times when they thought that Jesus was just coming right around the corner. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to sit there and not do anything. I also think that our, that our Constitution, it's, it's a little set up to be infiltrated. Because what were we what did uh, uh, Adams uh, uh, John Adams I believe it was said that you know our our Constitution is set up for a holy uh, holy uh, uh, Bible thinking people in it and a just people in it. Uh, as we continue to to leave God out in this world, then we are going to pervert the Constitution more and more every day. I would love to see a George Whitfield type of of, uh, uh, of of reawakening in this country and you know and and just and, and maybe that's not going to happen. So great so then I have to wonder then if a, if the Constitution and our set of government, and God is absolutely love, absolutely, but we better remember that he is judgment and he is justice. We have to keep thinking about those things. And uh, we maybe we're at a point. Maybe America has gotten too big for the Constitution that we have. If that's true, if, because part of Being free in America is living kind of the way you want to live. But if it isn't through God's precepts, then it's not going to last. If you want to live the way you want to live, but not under godly precepts, then, you know, maybe we're at a point.
0: Well, actually, that was kind of a, a neat thing that you just said. Maybe we're too big a nation. I have a friend and we we always argue about constitutionality of things and sometimes I think he thinks I'm mad at him but we're we're just trying to come to the truth each of us but he believes that it's time for America to divide for there for it to divide into two or three separate countries and there may be a a country of conservatives who honor God and want to live according to godly principles and want to live according to the original Constitution. And there may be those people in some other places, (laughs) like California, where they want to have more of a socialist society. Speaking to your point about how our Constitution is kind of set up, in a sense, to be infiltrated, we're not very good at being judgmental. We welcome all people. We... uh, grant them freedoms. We want to, them to be integrated into society. We want to love them. We want to be Christian toward them. At the same time, some of the people who are coming into the country may wish us harm. We'd love to have open borders in a perfect world. We'd love to welcome everybody into our country, but we don't know all the people who are coming in and what their intent is. There are places that are dangerous now. I, I, let me talk about Europe because I, I kind of watch the news from Europe. There are like no-go zones in parts of Europe because uh, Muslims have moved in, and Muslims in their own country are, can be perfectly nice people, but when they move into a foreign country, they're like a different culture, and you have these two different cultures kind of clashing, kind of keeping separate, and you end up with a divided country, and it's all because Western civilization wants to be welcoming,
2: Okay, so let's talk about that just quickly, because I think that we want to be welcoming, yes, but within the parameters of what our, law allow, our laws allow. So the fact is, when you look at the, the countries that, are, um, that embrace Islam they're not consistent with our belief systems i'm just going to speak to sharia law as a woman there's no place for sharia law to govern anywhere in the united states of america when we have a constitution if you look at it through the lens of a woman so it's incredibly important Like we've said under bill federer's teachings more than once My children have sat under his teachings because it's very easy to be misguided and given misinformation and, you know, just let them live, live and let live. That is not, that's not compatible with who we are. So to say, let them break off and do their thing, I say no way. This is the United States of America. Our constitution should reign supreme, period. The interpretation really isn't terribly ambiguous when you go back to the origins. And so it is about going back to the origins of Really, what the intent was. That's what we do with legislation every single day. What was the intent of how it was written? That's how we interpret in our court systems. What was the original intent? We're commissioned to stand and not act from a place of fear, but from a place of authority. And so if the Lord has inspired us or if God's inspired truth in us, then we have to carry that out. I don't know what the consequences of that may bring. I don't know who's going to receive it or not. And so if that makes people uncomfortable, so be it. Because as Christians, we're, it's like, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Truth is truth, period. And it's going to hurt people's feelings in this society that we live in, potentially. But we have to be unfettered and unwavering in our need to bring his truth forward. And the interpretation, I believe, is not that difficult. I think a lot of people want to make it difficult because they're uncomfortable with what the truth looks like. So I just don't believe confusion really is of God. I don't think it's that confusing.
0: Here's the here's the yeah, <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> yeah, We have a lot of people in America who don't believe in God. They don't share our values. And they also have their rights. They have a right to be part of our society. It becomes difficult for us to stand up for Christian beliefs while also accommodating non-Christian beliefs, while also accommodating uh, Islamic beliefs or or any other religion that happens to come. And I think this was a strategy also, uh, the idea that we want to be diverse. The, The whole idea of a nation, of nationhood, is similar people with a similar cultural background all being united to form a country. When you start bringing in all the other cultures, that sounds nice, and it can be enjoyable for a while, but it eventually leads to all this fragmentation where you don't have shared values, you don't have the same beliefs. The reason I think it's a strategy is I think progressives think that they can bring about world peace by doing away with the idea of nationhood, by homogenizing all cultures.
4: You know, Bill, you asked earlier what, you know, how do we solve the divide, uh, you know, n- not just in America, but in, you know, uh, with believers in different churches and religions. And I don't think we have to, you know, figure that out or solve it. Why can't we just get two or three of the big things and fix those? Like, uh, I don't know. How about we protect innocent life? We protect the constitutional rights of citizens. Why
5: can't we all come together for that? Talking about the, uh, the right to life. Uh, you know, it gets so mucked up. But all that needs to be done is define life. It's already defined, actually. It just, it needs to be, um, uh, we need some courageous, courageous people to stand up and say it is a life. Uh, you know, ever since the fall, man's uh, been wise in his own mind. And, you know, there's a lot of wisdom scripture for a reason. God would have us lay man's wisdom down and seek his wisdom. Uh, Stacy talks about the truth, absolutely, putting the truth out there. I love the picture of shining light into darkness, because uh, that is the way. What happens after then, where the world goes, it's in God's hands, but we're to be active in shining the light in these very, very evil, dark places. I think the purpose of, of the
0: this session has been solved, in a sense, because we're revealing how complex things are and how our faith kind of speaks into everything that we do. The church, members of the church, all of us, we are all thinking of this very seriously. We're we're not just taking a simple-minded approach to anything, because all of these issues are complex, and we're dealing with them intellectually, we're dealing with them spiritually, we're praying through things, and we're Having fellowship together to talk about it. This is really what the church should be doing. It should be talking about every issue that's involved in society. Get involved in any way you want to, but you have to be involved in the thought. About- okay, another topic that affects how Christians interact with society is our view of the end times, eschatology. Mm-hmm. And there are several different schools of eschatology, and that makes things complicated. But um, I just kind of like to have a discussion, an open discussion. How does the end times affect what we're doing? If it is the end of days, is our our attempt to reform the American government foolish because it's going to be wiped away anyway? That's kind of like the start of a discussion. Who would like to go first?
1: But, you know, again, we have this problem, and, and, and certainly Christians have... Um, uh, are, are to look for Christ every single day for His return. He doesn't even know when He is supposed to return. Only the Father, right? So there's no possible way. And I'll be candid with you. I, I don't study end times. I don't study the uh, all millennials and all these other different. I, I I I just don't study that as much because um, as much as I'm looking for it, it, it will come the way it comes, and I, I pray that I'm prepared for that. I believe I am. And but anyhow. Um, so again, that was already in the Bible and we had the problem. People were not working. Uh, they were, they were just sitting around waiting. They were being, trying to be taken care of. And, and, uh, what were they told? If they weren't going to work, then they're not going to eat. Um, so you had to continue forward. Um, and you have to keep going every single day, not just, uh, looking and waiting for Christ to return, but, uh, helping make the way by how by trying to help more non-believers into Christ's fold. Um, And and Satan already knows that he's lost. He he, he knows he's done. But what he's got to try to do, and what he's trying to do, is pull as many souls away from Christ as he possibly can uh, before his time is done. And uh, we are to try to win as many uh, souls to Christ as we can uh, before it is over with. And just, if you have never... Taken someone down what is called the Roman road and opened their eyes up to Christ. If you've never done that, then you don't know. I don't care what drugs you've done, alcohol. It doesn't matter what you've done in life until you've had the opportunity. The Holy Spirit's giving you that opportunity. You do not know what a high is. That is bringing someone to Christ, and that is what we're really supposed to do. Forget about the end times. I mean, study it fine. That's great, but but just bring people, bring people to Christ.
2: I agree with you. I feel like, you know, the eschatology, the end times, how does it all, you know, is it woven together? Does it matter? Really? I mean, we are called according to his will and purpose and whatever that looks like at the end of the day, I'm just trying to be obedient. I'll say this and people who've listened to me know I am very, very big in the public education, grassroots activism arena. And I had a Christian lady about 10 years ago say, don't even try. You know, it's loaded with the lobbyists. It's the biggest lobby in the country. You'll never win. But when God calls you to a fight, you don't say, well, wait, what does that even mean? You go and you're obedient. And so what's happening in our public school system right now is secular humanism is really what's being taught. It is a, it is a religion. And so at the end of the day, if I just say, well, what's it all matter anyway? The hearts and minds of children, if we can equip parents and, and really illuminate what's happening inside our public schools, because a lot of parents don't have the opportunity to homeschool or send their kids to a Christian school. But you know what? If you can illuminate and open their eyes to what's happening in the school, you give them a counterpoint. You teach them what's happening inside. They know what they're looking for. So their spiritual eyes are opened in a world that doesn't really honor our faith. Secular humanism is something that's happening in our schools with our children. And if we just take a back seat and say, oh, whatever we'll be, we'll be, we will lose an entire generation of children. That is not an option for me as a believer in Jesus Christ. It is not an option. So, how do we make a difference? I agree with you, Ike. We don't get caught up in the fact that, you know, well, we're living the last day, so we're just going to sit tight and wait for him to. That is not what I am called to do as a believer. I know what I'm commissioned to do. So when pe- when the call is received and I say, I'll go, Lord, I don't count the cost. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know that I have to be obedient, and I think that's the way we should all play it. Because in, in the end, I mean, that's what we're here for, right?
3: I, I personally love studying um, eschatology and end times, but it, it might be like with a little different perspective maybe than you hear a lot about the gloom and doom and the... Um, maybe the the hyper judgment like i don't know i don't know what you'd really call it but um i i definitely feel that it is important though and we've lost a sense because of maybe all of these you know these centuries or these last couple thousand years um we have grown almost weary i know there's a bible verse that talks about the people who um are gonna say well He's not coming. It's taking so long. He's not coming back. You know, you kind of grow weary and complacent because it has been so long. Um, And I think that that studying it for me really ignites that that hope that we have you know when he says you see all these happening things happening look up because your redemption draws near um I think if we begin to switch our mindset to look at it hopefully like with excitement because I think the early like the early church fathers the early disciples like they looked at it with such excitement and joy and obviously like you said earlier they believed it was literally going to be tomorrow and now we have all of this history to look back on and realize well it wasn't so it could be forever but no like gaining back that readiness of like right now it could be here at a moment and living within that hope um i think that that informs what you're saying stacy that worldview of this is important this matters because it's so um it's so near at hand but yeah like um the hope that we have living in the end times like jesus he he told his disciples like at a point like the the jews should have discerned the times for his first coming and so i think the end times are important too like we obviously are not going to know the specific day and the hour like he said but they they were reprimanded for not discerning and knowing the time of his first coming and so he says that there will be seasons there will be times and signs and i think that we should be prepared for that and always ready our groom is coming we need to be prepared for that
0: yeah i love what you're saying some people would say that being ready means getting to be really holy to to they draw inward And it's kind of like the opposite of what's intended by being ready. I think being ready is is being about doing the Lord's work, building the kingdom. The Great Commission was to disciple the nations. So if we're going to be truly ready, we have to be the people who are discipling the nations. Discipling the nations means getting involved in the public square and doing all these things.
4: I kind of sort of feel like the Lord brought the forefathers of this country together to kind of build up this nation. Uh, four times such as these. So I feel like uh, we should carry on their legacy. And if you look at what the church does with uh, mission trips overseas and speaking the Lord's word and trying to get that message out to people who have never heard it before, that's so important. But it's also important not to forget about what's going on here at home, because we may have uh, young folks it's not that they've n- maybe never heard the word but they've been told that uh, you know not to believe it and so that's that's something that we've not really responded to very well and i think i think the lord has put us in this place to to try to do that so i think that ties into what everybody's saying about you know the evangelism and speaking the lord's word it's not just overseas that's important uh, but it's also important right here at home, so we need
5: to f- look at that as well. I think so. Uh, yes, I think that uh, when it comes to end times, there's 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 lots of damage being done out there in the Christian community. I mean, there's uh, there's the uh, live like you're leaving, which which can be very problematic. Uh, uh, I mean, a good friend of mine. Uses that phrase, you know, live like you're leaving, and I, I understand exactly what he means, but spoken just out there in the in the populace, you know, um, it, it just it it, uh, it can lead it can lead in a wrong direction. Uh, I've reconciled end times personally with the fact that I think since Pentecost, uh, I think we're we're still to do exactly the same thing we were called to do. We're still to be the same way. And uh, we're to love God, we're to love our neighbors, and and we're to be a light on the hill. Uh, I don't think anything's changed, no matter how close we get. And and for me, when I think about getting close to the end of times, which is actually the beginning of eternity in a sense, uh, I think more and more about how precious my relationship with the Father and that he drew me to him, how precious that gift is I mean it's precious beyond the script describing when it occurred 22 years ago for me and 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 at the cross when Christ gave his all but when I think about getting closer to that time it just is so much if it's possible so much more precious and and where I live is I ask myself what do I want to find Jesus what do I want Jesus to find me doing when he comes? What do I want him to find me doing? And I've answered that question this way. I want him to find me doing exactly what he's called me to do. And that could be sweeping a church and it could be at the state capitol, or it could be both, one on Monday and one on Tuesday. So, uh, and I just rest there. I'm just, it's really easy for me to rest in that place and and, uh, and uh, stay, uh, uh, just stay diligent.
2: I think that's a great point. And I, you know, sometimes my activism looks different than your activism or your activism. And I think to your point, all joints supply when it comes to the kingdom because we all have a role to fulfill and it doesn't all have to look the same. And sometimes I think that, Um, I don't ever want people to interpret what I'm called to do isn't necessarily what you're called to do, but it doesn't mean that it's any less important or more important when God calls you to sweep a church or just to go to the Capitol and lobby for an hour, or even just to go take meals on wheels to somebody that's in their home to, to show the love of Christ is the most important thing. But in showing the love of Christ, again, I say, and I'm really driven by this, you bring truth, you front with the truth. And it's because he is ultimately the only truth that matters. So I just think that's a really important point that we all have a role um, and all joint supply when it comes to furthering the kingdom. So great point.
3: One of the things that I have been really dwelling on lately, um, when I think about the end times, because it is a topic that comes out a lot, especially you know in the in in the church and amongst believers. Um, But I don't hear this a lot. And this is what I think about all the time is the fact that, like, God revealed the end from the beginning. And in the beginning, God dwelt with man. And so when I see it, like, ultimately, like, I want to tell people, you know, when I'm telling them the gospel, it's God's going to dwell with mankind again. And that is, number one, like, extremely exciting for us. But also that is so terrifying in the sense that if you understand who God, if you have any glimpse, and we're all like with such human eyes, we see it um, with a veil still, but like God is so holy, He's so other than us that when He comes to dwell with us again, that is the fire of judgment that we see. It's not this malicious God who's going to zap you for all the things that you have done wrong. It has nothing to do with that because we've all sinned, we've all lived and were born into separation from Him. And his separation from us is our protection to be alive, you know. And so the gospel is that Christ made a way for us to come into that holiness and righteousness to where when he dwells with us again, we won't be obliterated by his holiness. And so but to me, that's such a beautiful picture because my hope is in Christ And so when I know that he is coming to dwell with man again, to walk with us, to, to show us how to cultivate the earth, to show us how, you know, to love one another to that, that perfect love and that perfect knowledge of him. That's the gospel. It's not about condemnation of sin. It's not about all of this stuff because Christ's blood took care of all of that. And we invite people into that covenant relationship so that they too, when God comes to dwell with us. And so to me, that's what end times is. That's. God comes to dwell with man.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. I'm going to follow up on it and mess it up. <laughs> um, actually it, it I've thought often about what happens after Christ comes, because God is going to dwell with man. That is an awesome thought. Um, some people think, because of revelation, that we're going to go to heaven and we're going to be singing and worshiping all day long. But I really think I think we're being trained to have fellowship with the Lord, be with Him. And I think there's work to be done after Christ comes back. I don't don't know what the work is. I don't know whether there are other planets to evangelize. I don't know what it is. But I think we're really being drawn to doing things, to building the kingdom. And I can't believe that after He comes back, we're just going to sit around. I think there's something more.
5: We can overcomplicate things for ourselves, uh, especially those that are... That are thinkers, uh, we want the answers to everything. Yes, Deanna, that that was really awesome. What you what you broke down there, uh, that really really encouraged me, and, uh, and and gave me something that I'll be hanging on to in my thoughts, because I might be one of those overthinkers that I made mention of earlier. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it, things can get so overcomplicated. I think in the in this time we're in end of days or not uh the the, the vital piece in it uh is is that we uh, reach out and we share we share what we know we share what we have we share christ uh uh there's nothing more important than that the, you know the great commandment of loving loving god and, and loving your neighbor uh is is so simplistic and we can so over it i think uh, understanding the second takes care of the first i think if we're loving our neighbor uh as ourselves uh that's that's just that's that's uh a that's a love note to the father i I think we accomplish the first, and then you know we complicate that so much when we think of loving our neighbor we first thing we think of is that that nasty mean irritable person that how in the world can I love that person and we get all bogged down, and how's that supposed to work and But I tell you in my life's journey uh I've seen more than enough uh, uh, broken uh beat down. Uh, hungry, hurting people—that uh, uh, someone that would just reach out and 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 give them an ear to listen, uh, and 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 give them give them a word about the hope that sustains us—that uh, that has such great value in the kingdom of God. Somebody that would just simply do that, and 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 that and that can come through. Uh, we've been talking about activism here in the end times as well. And I mean, that can come through, uh, any means. And, uh, there's just, there's no, there's no mold, uh, that makes it happen. Uh, it can happen in our, in our government levels, in our communities, in our schools, but it won't happen if we don't share it. If we don't shine that light, if we don't share that truth. Uh, and it's not our truth. just, it's, it's not our truth. It's, uh, It's a truth that had no beginning and has no end. And um, it's just about him.
0: Thanks for joining us today. For a preview of our next program, visit our website at www.keygatheringplace.com or look for Key Gathering Place on Facebook and click the Events tab. Until next time, go out and do good.